You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Do you ever feel like you look at life all wrong? That's, uh, that is the question that as I sat down last week from worship... I heard the Holy Spirit ask me very clearly, do you ever feel like you look at life all wrong? And he didn't uh, expand. (laughs) He just asked the question, and he left me with that question all week. What do you mean, man? Do you ever feel like you look at life all wrong? Like, is it, is it, is that encouraging? Or <laughs> like, no, you're not looking at life all wrong? Or is it like, you know, seriously, dude, you're looking at life all wrong. Um, and I didn't have any clarity on what he meant. I knew it was for us for today. I, was, I knew I was preaching this week. And so when, he sat down, when I sat down and he asked, like, do you ever feel like you look at life all wrong? I knew it was for this coming week. So I knew I needed to figure out, I needed to hear what it was that he meant. Um, And we're going to get to this in just a second, but Friday afternoon I was the only one in the office and uh, just randomly on Spotify I had been listening to the holy music of Steely Dan and the wonderful album of Asia. It's a great one if you don't know it. From start to finish, it's just all hits. But the second that album ended, um, there was a, a piece of music by a group called uh, Influence Music and a Christian rapper named Propaganda. He was doing spoken word over a piece of music. And in that piece of music, he said, is, the, there was a line that said, it's not what you think. And I said, okay, I better keep listening to whatever this is because you're talking to me now. So I, that came on at 2.30. From 2.30 to 5.30 that afternoon, that two-minute piece of music was all I listened to on a loop. I went to the coffee shop yesterday morning for two hours trying to figure out what it was that he wanted me to talk to you about, that he wanted to show me. For those two hours, what did I listen to? That two-minute piece of music. Yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, the girls went to mom and dad's to play for a little while. I sat for an hour listening to that piece of music. I listened to it this morning. And as I listened to it this morning, the Holy Spirit said, I want to answer some questions with some questions. Because as I listened to it, all I got, I, was, I kept expecting, okay, here's the message, here's the big word, here's the thing. All I got was questions. And I woke up this morning, and, and this series of questions, some of them are biographical, autobiographical from my life experience over the last six months and what God has brought victory in my life. But uh, some of them are, are just that he spoke. This is under the heading, do you ever feel like you look at life all wrong? Am I missing something? Like when I'm just walking around, looking around, 
just getting groceries or whatever it is I'm doing? Is there something I'm not seeing? Do you ever feel like parts of your life are just the same difficulty repeating itself? Does life feel like a roller coaster? Are you often frustrated or angry with God? Do you find yourself making demands of God? Do you, ever, do you even remember what hope feels like? Are you just hanging on until your circumstances swing in your favor? Do your circumstances feel way bigger and more powerful than you? Like they might bury you if you stop moving. Do you ever sometimes struggle to find your own value? What does my life even mean? If I stop talking altogether, would anyone even notice? So he set of questions that he gave me at 6 a.m. I was like, okay, man, there's, where's, the, let's, where's the hope? Because <laughs> we, can't, we can't end with that. Um, but those are questions, even though it was a heavy list, I'm not the only one who has asked or is processing questions like that. I'm not alone in this. Why do we look at life this way? Looking up at giants that we're afraid are going to swallow us. Why do we live afraid? Why do we live helpless? Why do I feel like I'm chained to the same stick and my life is just a circle around that stick? Hi, John. Hi, Laverne. Why do we experience our lives with heaviness? Why does it feel like our lives are happening to us? Why does it feel like God isn't listening or even worse, just doesn't care? What if it's going to be like this for the rest of my life? These are questions we all ask. And part of the problem is because we do look at life all wrong. We take the world to the Father. We say, like we're astounded, like Edvard munches the scream, you know, or like Macaulay Culkin at Home Alone, just standing aghast. And while we see and then going, what are you going to do about this? I need my answer right now. We're all guilty. We're all guilty of that. We live that way. Instead of saying, instead of taking the Father to the world, of standing overwhelmed and in awe of the kingdom of heaven, we're armed with the knowledge that I'm raised up and seated in heavenly places, like it says in Ephesians 2. And taking that and saying, here, here is this. Here is all of this. We look at life this way and then this way. When he's saying, look at me. Don't ever, ever, ever Take your eyes off of me, ever. 
So before we go any further, we're going to kind of go through the same exercise that I went through this week. I'm only going to make you listen to it like four times, maybe five, if it's really hitting the thing. We're not going to spend three hours here listening to this two minutes. But Steve, if you're ready, let's, let's play that. And just, just listen with your hearts open. Let the Lord speak to you. You can see how listening to that on repeat would fill you with some new questions. Questions like, does my life bear the marks of my origin story? 2 Corinthians 4.10 tells us that we bear about the death of Christ in our bodies, that the resurrection light and life. What are the marks in his hands and feet inside? But the trophies of his love toward us. Do we take those marks on? Do we say, let me bear that same love that put you on the cross. Put that same love in me for those around me. That there is no contradiction between message and messenger. Can the world see the light of Christ from the openings in my hands and my feet and my side? And do we ever think about, do you contemplate the fact that Jesus wasn't the first messenger that we think him to be? He wasn't a messenger at all. He was the message. He is everything that God ever wanted to say to us. And he's everything that God is saying to us now. And he's everything that God is saying through us right now. And what a glory it is to be reborn. Reborn from that message so that the message and the messenger are one. You are one with him. As I mentioned, raised up and seated in heavenly places to rule and reign as a priest and king. Do we ponder as often as we ponder, how is this bill going to get paid? Do we wonder about how amazing it is that we belong to him? Do we sit with that? I belong to the ruler of everything. Do we ponder the fact that I was in Christ Jesus when everything was made? That I am part, as it said, I am part of the he saw it and it was good. That's you. That's your story. Do we sit and ponder what it tells us in John? That through Christ, everything was made that was made. Do we ponder the fact that that's me and you? Individually and us together as those reborn from the message. But also every tree, 
every rock, every person, everything that we see was made through him and from him. Everything that was made. Do we sit with that? We're part of a grander story than we could ever imagine. But we don't sit with that. We sit with our worry. We sit with our concern. We sit with our stress. As though they could exalt their name above the name of Jesus. Have I made a conscious effort to sit and tie my life to the eternal beating heart of heaven? Or is my life tied to the seasons of strife that I see here in the world? Do I find my purpose for being, my reason for existing in the stuff of heaven, the stuff of kings and of priests, Do we sit and wonder stories like Mark chapter 8 when Jesus heals the blind man and he says, what do you see? I see men as trees walking. And ours is like, well, why did did he see trees walking? Well, I guess he didn't have enough faith for the, the physical sight to come. No. It just happens that in this case, Jesus gave him spiritual sight before he gave him physical. So, okay, what are you telling me? Do we sit with these questions? What are you telling me, that I'm a tree walking? Yes, of course you are. You draw your life from rivers of living water. And like it says in Ezekiel 14, the leaves of your tree are supposed to bear their fruit in perfect season, and it's healing for the nations. Do we sit and wonder and think about our lives as healing for the nations? And if we were cut down, would they see in our rings the rippling testimony of the seed that was broken that we might have life? You watch movies. We all watch movies, and we've all seen a scene where there's the question asked, is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor on the plane? Right? Why don't we approach our life like that? Why don't we ask ourselves that question? Why don't we see the world? I'm the doctor in the house. What doctor, trained in the medical field, when that question's asked, is going to say, or remain silent or say, yes, I am, but I will not help. We look and we think about serving the Lord and obeying the Spirit as something we have to do because we're commanded to. But really the truth is, we're the doctor in the house. Do we sit and wonder, is your compassion 
in me. The part of me that shouts, I have the answer. That it's compassion. I have kindness. I have love. I have peace that you need. It is the fruits of my tree. Oh, and by the way, I have power. Do you need to be healed? He loves you. Let's do that. Do we think about our life that way? Or do you think I've, we're gonna, the kids are going to be late to school? What questions are we asking ourselves? Do we even know what it means to be a city set on a hill? Do we sit with, our, with the God of heaven and the spirit he's given us and ask him, you've told us to be a, a city on a hill, what does it mean? A city in the dark has no attractiveness of its own. Only the light within is the beacon to the world around it. Do we sit and ponder those questions? Of how, how do I be that city? How do I live in a way that it's not about me, that the light is clearly visible? How do we do it as a church? And do we ask ourselves the hard questions? I don't see empty seats when I look around at the church. But this morning, we've got to recognize. We've got to pay attention to the fact that if we're the doctor in the house, if we carry the love and the compassion, if we're motivated by it, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the love of Christ compels us do we sit and ponder, where's the compelling in my life? Where's the urgency about the love that you gave me, that saved me, that healed me? Or am I stressing about getting the thing done at work that I've got to get done and not having time to do it? These things don't compare, do they? Just an honest assessment, putting questions against questions. What really matters? Do you can see after listening to that for five hours, six hours, maybe even seven, why I am emotionally the way I am today, this morning? Carrie asked me last night, she went for a walk, came back in, I was listening to it. She asked me, how are you? I said, I'm broken down. I'm being broken apart. I feel like I'm being dismantled. Does the light of Christ shine through the marks in my hands and feet inside? If so, where are the hearts?
These are the questions worth wrestling with. And are they even challenges, though, if we're willing to answer those questions, to think about them? Then we put them in perspective. Is this room, is, is hearts in this room singing praise to God a challenge? No. It's logical. It's logical. When we said an answer, yes, yes, you teach me every day what it means to see the world as you saw it with all of the life moving through it. I listened to this as I went and bought groceries on Friday. And I had to tell myself over and over again, man, keep it together. <laughs> I was doing, I was starting to come apart in the grocery store as I looked with the eyes of love that Christ had for the world. Have we sat and pondered what it means that he was, a, that he was, he was acquainted with sorrow? What does that even mean that our Savior was acquainted with sorrow? Was it sorrow over his death? No. Was it the sorrow over the death that the world lived in? Something created from him, intended to be filled with him, restored with him, living in brokenness and darkness. That's the suffering our Savior knew. Do we join him in that suffering? Are we acquainted with his suffering? To walk everywhere we go seeing the life intended. The life flowing through everyone that we see. And to even look at the very trees knowing that they cry out for us to be who we were asked to be. Who we were created to be the sons of God. No, we wrestle with bills. We wrestle with worry. We respond to those things and take them to the Father. And that's not wrong. He bought all those on the cross and he wants them back. But when we turn and face him and say, here's all this stuff, we don't put it down. He said, I'm going to show this to you, and then I'm going to turn back around and keep holding it. When really we're intended to let it go and be filled anew as we face him, taking the kingdom back to the world. Responding to the things of the world with absolute trust in the king. And so do we sit with questions like, oh gosh, absolute trust, where am I? <laughs> sit, sit, don't tell me, Holy Spirit, the holes in my trust. Are we asking the right questions? This is just a side note. But it's not surprising that the world's war is against truth. 
The world doesn't care about facts. The war is for truth. Because facts will bow their knee to the truth every day. I've seen bills get paid that I didn't have the money for. I know stories of tumors dissolving. Facts will bow their knee to the truth every day. So do we take the facts of the world and give it to the one who has the truth to change those facts? Or do we just stress out about the facts? And I'm not meaning this to feel as heavy as it does. <laughs> but there are days that we have to come to grips with the grandeur and the glory, the absolute wonder that is intended for our life. And we have to be real honest with ourselves and say, am I living that? Is my life happening to me? Am I subject to the things that are happening to me? Or is my story bigger than these circumstances? Do we live our lives waiting for our circumstances to change? Or do we realize that the circumstances don't actually matter? The circumstances of our life have no bearing on his goodness, on his faithfulness, on his kindness, his generosity, his love, his mercy. All of those things are bigger than any circumstance. So if we're willing to grapple with these things, to change our questions, what happens? Seriously, what happens? If I stop asking the question of is this ever going to end and I start asking the question of who are you really? Who are you really? Because I can read the words but who are you really? Can I start asking the questions of what are you longing for through me? What do I feel my heart stirred by because you're stirring it? Therein is purpose. Therein is what we look for on a daily basis. Why am I here? Because he longs for things through your life. He longs for things through you. Our purposes are the things of the eternal and they shape the seasons of our life. Let's contemplate those things. I promise you how you experience every day will change. I promise you how you experience the circumstance of your life, how you respond to it, it will change. 
You want to change in your life, how you experience your life? Change the questions that you ask. Why, why am I not telling you, like, speak truth or just know the truth? That's important. But you could fill a sea with the things that I don't know compared to a thimble with the things that I do. My questions are more important than the things I know. Asking the right questions will focus my mind, my heart, my faith, everything about my being in the place that it's supposed to come from. We like to lean on what we know. But our faith comes from the things that we don't. The mystery of it all. Are we willing to dive further in the mystery of him? And I want to give you a word of encouragement because these are things that will, the things that we talked about today are things intended to set your mind working on different problems than what we see, working on different questions than what we normally engage with. But what I want to encourage you with is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Despise not the small beginnings. He rejoices to see the work begin. We've learned to respond to the world over all of our years. Being born into it, we've learned to respond to it first. It's just easy. It's what we see with our eyes, right? It's our first input. It's what touches our skin. It's very easy to respond to the world first. We've been trained to do it. But the key to asking the right questions is now I'm listening to another voice. The voice that made all of this before I worry about any of this. But just take one question. Take one thing. And like, listen, listen to that. It's called Soil and Sky. Put it in your Spotify. Listen to it over and over as many times as like, you want to. But I promise you, he'll stir new questions within you. Ones that fill you with awe and wonder. And it will affect how you see all of the other questions you face. But start the work. He rejoices to see the work begin. The glory of faith isn't some giant temple built. The glory of faith is just being willing to take the next step, trusting that your foot is going to fall where he wants it to. That's the glory of faith. So despise not the small beginnings. He rejoices to see the work begin. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.